Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone. So in the previous part one of this PNF series, episode 38, we talked about the three major sensory systems. So I'm going to highlight the outline of the basic principles um, every episode of this series so that we keep the principles in perspective. So the three major sensory systems in the PNF basic principles visual input, auditory input, proprioceptive input. In episode 38, we talked about visual input, auditory input, and we started breaking down the subcategories of proprioceptive input. So in the last episode, we talked about tactile input as it relates to patient position and manual contact, the coach's position or the therapist's position, and then applying appropriate resistance or force, whether it be movement or uh, through mobilization. This week, we're going to get into approximation and traction. So that's the next proprioceptive input checklist item in the PNF basic principles. So approximation and traction, it can be clinically used for two different reasons. And this is when I'm going to start to blend in some of my OMT training and my PNF training here. So the first way approximation and traction can be used is through movement facilitation or promoting stabilization. So you can either ask for holds or ask for them to move. We'll get into that a little bit more later. The second way you can apply traction and approximation orthopedically is when you're differentiating intra versus extra articular sensitivities during an orthopedic evaluation. So is the structure that's sensitive inside the joint or outside the joint by using what we call provocation or alleviation testing? Again, we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. So traction is defined as the elongation of a segment of a segment, excuse me, or structure. This is commonly associated with pulling or anti-gravity movements. So think carrying a suitcase and the rotator cuff activating to um, prevent dislocation of the glenohumeral joint. Okay, traction seems to preactivate phasic two receptors, which facilitates synergistic trunk musculature and it preps for anti-gravity function. All right, so again, if you're thinking, I'm hanging from a pull-up bar, I'm carrying a heavy load, that's traction. Approximation is defined as the compression of a segment or joint surfaces. So this is commonly used with pushing or weight-bearing activities. Approximation seems to be uh, activating static type one receptors, which seems to help with postural stabilization and creating this co-contraction with the agonist and antagonist musculature. So think somebody's in quadruped, you 
place a um, weight-bearing force through their scapula into their hand to promote approximation and compression. So think of traction and approximation as two completely opposite ways of imposing a mechanical force to either facilitate movement or stabilization or differentiating sensitivity intra or extra articularly. Now, in terms of facilitating movement, the application of approximation and traction is where we see a lot of common ground between PNF and DNS, or dynamic neuromuscular stabilization techniques. In the DNS approach, they use, quote-unquote, joint centration to optimize the congruency of load-bearing surfaces of our joints. And this is similar to Shirley Sarman's concept of creating an instantaneous axis of rotation while the joint is in its centered position. Um, but when we centrate a joint and then you apply either traction or approximation, this seems to really help facilitate co-contraction amongst the joint's agonist and antagonist musculatures to optimize stabilization. I don't have a uh, randomized control trial with a p-value to prove this, guys. This is more so getting in the trenches with DNS and PNF uh, therapists and actually seeing how they cue movement and feeling it for yourself too. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting stuff. It really helps to, uh, with the self-awareness or the, um, the proprioceptive feel of getting better leverage with certain movements and certain drills. Okay. Now in terms of orthopedic differentiation, approximation and traction can be used, like we said, as a provocation or alleviation testing. So let's use as an example, shoulder flexion hurts. We can apply an axial traction in shoulder flexion. So they go to the verge of pain of shoulder flexion, and then you apply an axial traction force through the longitudinal axis of the humerus to unload the glenohumeral joint. So an alleviation, that would be considered an alleviation test. On the verge of a painful shoulder flexion movement, we apply this axial traction if alleviation, or excuse me, if traction alleviates the pain, we then suspect an intra-articular sensitivity or something inside the joint. So if we're talking about the shoulder or the hip, we're thinking is the labrum irritated? If we're talking about the knee, is there some type of meniscal sensitivity? Um, in this case, various forms, so when traction is alleviating, it indicates that in the plan of care, it may be beneficial to apply traction and different traction techniques for pain modulation, for example. If traction increases the pain, we can suspect an extra articular sensitivity or something outside the joint is very little sensitive to tension or stretching. And that, so traction in that case probably wouldn't be the best uh, treatment modality there, right? Provocation testing, surprise, surprise, we're going to apply axial approximation at the verge of shoulder flexion. We're saying, okay, shoulder flexion is painful, go to the verge of that, I'm going to apply axial compression into the joint. If approximation provokes the pain, we suspect an intra-articular sensitivity. If approximation alleviates the pain, we suspect that the client may benefit from stabilization training with techniques that promote this co-contraction around the joint, thus enhancing sensory motor stabilization, reflex stabilization, as alluded to by PNF and DNS. Which is, you know, orthopedically, sometimes that threw me off. So if 
I added approximation to a shoulder that was painful in flexion and all of a sudden, oh, that feels better. You know, one would think I'm adding more biomechanical force into this joint. Why doesn't this hurt more? But understanding motor control, understanding some of this stabilization uh, neuromuscular stuff or neuro stuff really helps to uh, shape your thought process around that and think, okay, maybe they benefit from some neuromuscular stabilization here. Approximation is uh, helping, which is interesting. Now, how would we apply approximation and traction to promote stabilization? So let's dive a little deeper in terms of how DNS or PNF would utilize something like this. So an easy example of traction, again, is to think of the function of the quote-unquote rotator cuff. When we are carrying something heavy, the load wants to distract the glenohumeral joint, and the rotator cuff has to reflexively respond and resist the um, distraction forces of the heavy load. So traction or distraction that occurs through the glenohumeral joint can stimulate this reflex contraction. Again, I want to emphasize that because we're not just utilizing conscious cues to the patient, we're actually doing some of these things to get some of these reflexive responses. And that's what really approximation and traction is getting to. So I like to think of the rotator cuff in these cases as an anti-distraction cuff, if you will. Now, in the event that a client with shoulder pain is advised not to carry something heavy, traction can be applied more delicately. For example, if you're taking somebody into the uh, side sit on elbow position and you grab their top hand and you just gently try to pull them up off the floor and say, hey, don't let me pull you up from the floor. And that light load can be a, uh, a rehab load, if you will, as they progress to um, being able to tolerate more distraction forces through uh, activities of daily living. But let's say that the goal is to optimize scapular thoracic and glenohumeral stabilization in the affected shoulder or non-weight-bearing shoulder like we talked about. So we're going to go back. We're side sit on elbow. Visualize this with me here. So you're and your top hand is level with your bottom hand. Excuse me if you're just listening to this. Um, the visuals definitely help, but side sit on elbow, we're looking at that top hand. So the clinician or the coach can come in and apply axial traction through that top arm with the verbal cue, don't let me lift your elbow off the floor. So the verbal cueing is really gonna be helpful here with that level of traction force. Now the intermittent traction forces really helps, by intermittent I mean you're pulling on them at uh, various different time intervals so that they never get really used to when you're applying that traction force. So hold, don't let me move you. And you might give them two quick impulses and then a long sustained impulse as you're trying to pull them up off the floor, right? Um, it really just helps people get that feel of locking that glenohumeral and that scapulothoracic joint to the trunk. Now, you can take that same exact setup that we just talked about and I had you visualize there and do the opposite and apply a manual compression force through that top arm aiming down at that bottom elbow. Again, they're in the side sit on elbow position. This is a variation of the Turkish getup posture. So. What's interesting here is the motor learning research that has been put out by Gabriel Wolf suggests that external cues prevail with retention tests for motor performance versus internal focused cues, for example. 
like internal cue here means would be uh, don't let me lift you and external cue external cue here will be don't let me peel your elbow off the floor as you're trying to lift them with a traction technique now the literature and practical application for verbal cueing is discussed extensively in Nick Winkleman's new book, The Language of Coaching. Highly recommend you guys look into that. Um, really great book with awesome um, work, uh, like workbook exercises, the best way I could describe it. And it just really helps, he helps you be creative with verbal cueing and really helps you become creative with your sensory rich external focused cues, which I, I really like, um, instead of the always internal focused cues. Okay, moving on. So now, if we're going to use the internal cue of get long through your arms, for example, or pull your shoulder blade down and back as you're trying to add compression, we may choose to say drive your elbow through the earth or your elbow is a sword, drive it through the earth giving them whatever nitty gritty sensory pieces of cueing as you're doing these either approximation or traction uh, techniques to help someone realize how to lock in the glenohumeral and their scapulothoracic joint. Now, this is where it gets a little artsy when you're really pairing the external cue with the timing of the approximation or traction uh, force that you're imposing on them. So that's really difficult to explain through just words, but really the the use of approximation and traction in correlation with good external sensory rich cues and really help someone get the feel for um, scapular and glenohumeral stabilization. All right, so one thing I want to leave off with here is that there is no right or wrong way to apply a fraction. A fraction. There you go. Here's there's a new one. Traction and approximation. As long as you're keeping the patient safe, it it's really about are you getting the response that you want to get? Like if you're if you're trying to elicit a smooth coordinated movement and you're using a traction force to let's say have them go into shoulder flexion, great. If you're using it to impose stabilization, whether you use traction or approximation, the the end goal basically dictates what technique you use when it comes to traction or approximation. So you can really be an artist with uh, this principle of PNF or of DNS for that matter. Um, the bottom line is you have to have a specific intention. Do you want them to hold, stabilize, or do you want them to move? And then you apply the uh, approximation or a fraction, approximation or traction as deemed necessary. All right, y'all, that's all we got for this week. That's approximation and traction, little nitty, nitty gritty, how we use it neurologically for uh, neuromuscular control and or orthopedically for provocation alleviation testing. All right, next week, we're gonna dive into the next checklist item, which is the stretch reflex, a big PNF basic principle. All right, guys, until next time, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a colleague, follow our podcast, 
leave us a review. It'll greatly help us spread the word and share this information with more practitioners. If you have any questions about any of the information, please feel free to email me at remez at neuropedicspt.com. I answer all my emails and I am willing to nerd out with any of you. All right. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome rest of your day. let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another, but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding in various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model, We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com We're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer.